Explore the depths of your curiosity with aerospace engineer John Connolly, Columbia Space Center's Benjamin Dickow, and CEO of Heavy Metal Magazine Matthew Medney, as they bring scientists, engineers, and authors on a journey of discovery. This is Putting the Science in Science Fiction, where fiction and science collide. So, okay, so, so let's, let, let's talk super soldier serum. So, you know, for everybody who's <laughs> listening, and like in, you know, uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, uh, you know, and first Marvel is brilliant by, you know, doing these eight episode sprints for every mm. different character, right? Because, you know, when WandaVision, now it's Bucky and Falcon, then it's going to be Loki, then it's going to be mm-hmm. She-Hulk, then it's going to be Moon Knight. It's fantastic. But right now mm-hmm. in, you know, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and if you're not at least at episode four, then you shouldn't be listening because we're going to spoil the whole thing for you. But <laughs> the the impetus of the show is that there is, you know, additional super soldier serum and it's even more refined where mm-hmm. it doesn't make them into a god like it made Steve Rogers. It keeps their normal physique and they just have the super human ability. And I mm-hmm. wanted to hear it from you guys and have a debate is, is there a reality where we could potentially have some form of a, you know, illness curing serum that, you know, maybe makes us stronger, makes our cells a little bit more rejuvenative, makes us live a little longer. You know, I'm seeing a lot of research out there about, um, you know, organ harvesting and, um, you know, curing cancer by purifying cells. And I'm just curious if there is a reality where we could all be taking a super soldier system, uh, serum sometime in the next 20 to 30 years. Go ahead, Jen. <laughs> uh, well, so of those three things that you talked about, you know, of, you know, if you took a, a serum that gave you super abilities and super healing and made you live longer, I feel like that you could achieve two of those things at the expense of the third Mm. i if you know humans are heat engines and the idea of if we could boost our metabolism to extraordinary rates to achieve much higher energy output chemical energy but that could temporarily make us faster stronger our, our muscles have faster reflexes maybe even an ability to heal I, I could conceive that at the cost of our longevity and that that high metabolic rate will inevitably lead to higher incidence of cancer or just simply a much faster aging. I mean, we've seen that in, well, I, I personally see that in Dune, uh, in the, some of the later books that Frank Herbert did, uh, Heretics of Dune and Chapter House Dune. There were humans that evolved the ability that they could exist in this almost flash in the speed force type mm-hmm. realm, but it's just in, in this hyper enhanced metabolic state of where everything around them appears to be frozen because they're moving so quickly. But it's in a, they're living for this. What happens this is an instance: their ship gets hit by a missile. He goes into this hyper mode. Eventually, he sacrifices his life. He spends the next couple of days in his time relative to him repairing the ship, even as it's exploding fractionally by by seconds. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, he's from the outside observation of these people. It's moments and he goes from being young to being this old man who just withers and and dies Mm -hmm. because he used all of his energy to do this. And, And I I think that. The universe usually seeks balance, and for every action, there is an, is an equal and opposite reaction, no matter in how many way, permutations of that. And to achieve things like the super soldier is going to come at some sort of cost. Mm-hmm. Like soul? No, no, just... I mean, when we talk about... Okay, let's talk about mutations. You know, or like the idea of what a super soldier serum does. Okay, you take this serum. The idea is, what are we thinking here? It's somehow, re- are we thinking that it's rewriting, recoding our DNA to, you know, create proteins that are then changing our physiology? Are we saying that this is specifically a chemical reaction? That's, that's what I'm expecting you to make me. Yes, exactly that. 
Okay, so I mean, that's the thing is, uh, you know, our human bodies are now. insane. <laughs> but if anything, so this is the biological manipulation. I think also if we look if we look at our technological curve of the past fifty years, what has not been a drop off, unlike space travel, was bio. Oh yeah, bio I think is just gone. Wow, super, super. And, and and that's going to be the the Gattaca CRISPR, you know, the, the ability of recoding portions of the genome are is absolutely it's here. But we are dealing – a human being is an incredibly complex biological life form. And to do the sort of augmentations that you're talking about to dramatically increase its function across multiple systems, uh, and, uh, it's still almost shooting in the dark or, or trying to throw objects at a vastly complex organic computer and then hope for an outcome. Or, or I just think that – Anytime you anytime you tweak A, you're going to see an immune response in B. Whether it's a you know ten minutes, an hour, a week down the line, uh, stable modification of our DNA into a super soldier, and also the idea that it's something that can happen quickly uh-huh. and stably and not and not kill us. Uh, I think it'll happen at some point. I think there's just going to be lots. I, I don't know. I think it'll be very incremental, very, very incremental. Yeah. yeah. Or, or even more the idea of that, like you, you undergo tons and tons of experience, like more like Halo and the Master Chief, where they underwent years of training and then years of physiological experiments that independently like, increased muscle density, increased mm-hmm. bone density, increased how their eyes worked, neural response time. Mm-hmm. Like they were slowly built piece by piece in a grueling process. And I feel like that's a lot more accurate than the idea of like, oh, there's this serum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. But I guess, yeah, so I guess the the short answer, which, by the way, John, a couple things I need to say about what you just said, which was great, super great. The way that you refer to human beings is hilarious. Um, you said something about <laughs> complex bio life forms or something like that, and then these like walking computers, like you can't just say people, which is awesome. Um, but the other thing is, you made me think of like the the mutations and the and the risks and stuff. Um, there's that conversation that Terrell has with uh, Decker in um, Blade Runner about how they got to the Nexus Nexus Six. And he basically said the exact same thing that you did that, you know, there's these, you know, he had to go through all of these sort of trials and errors and there were these, um, all these consequences to the, to sort of the, the, the response, the protein response after you kind of screw around with DNA. But essentially John, I think you and I are on the same page where I don't think, I don't know if we're going to get a serum, you know, it's, I don't think it's going to look like Captain America, but I think all of the things, especially the longevity thing, I think, each one is possible to happen. I think there's, I mean, on the very sort of rough way, you can you can engineer, you know, you can engineer people to have more strength or whatever, um, or I think that's that's very possible. I think I think a lot of people seem to be looking at how do you extend life, not just sort of in a you know sort of the fountain of youth kind of a way, but. Um, really looking at what what is the physiological um, operations around aging and and death and things like that and how do you how do you screw around with that that that's been sort of accepted research now for I feel like at least 10 20 years um, and yeah, yeah I mean CRISPR really just blows the lid off of what's possible on a cellular level um, but yeah I don't know I don't think that it's gonna be like this this glowing green serum that we're going to take and we're going to have, you know, every, our bodies are going to sort of morph and bubble and stuff like that. I hope not. No, I mean, cause there's also, I mean, well, two things. One, just with respect to Captain America, when we see Captain America morph, he, he gains tremendous amounts of mass. Mm-hmm. Sim- simply, you know, addition of mass to a human being in any sort of rapid rate requires your body turning you know, deconstructing elements and molecules you're taking in from food and turning it into something that mm-hmm. you're, you know, building back into proteins to build into your body. Our body, you know, okay, let's let's say, you know, you have the metal. 
I don't. I, I almost say with regards to the newer Super Soldier Serum that we're seeing in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that makes more sense to me mm. of just simply vastly enhancing the strength of an existing person because I'm going to use chimpanzees as a simple example. Chimpanzees, in terms of mass, weigh significantly less than the average human being. Yet are three times as strong. Mm. So right there, with that one example, you can have significantly increased strength capability with less muscle mass. So yes, I think that there is, you know, maybe right there, there's a trigger or however you bridge from our physiology to there, there's the strength component that yes, maybe you could reactivate as, as a sort of avatism. And for somebody that an avid and avatism is a dormant or ancient segment of a genome that expresses itself uh, in terms of pop culture reptile. <laughs> is of an avatism um, that there's a type of wolf that's sort of wolf uh, werewolf syndrome that is not its true medical term but that the werewolf syndrome that happens is I believe is that also a form of avatism hmm. you know John you're just making me think uh, because this is the science and science fiction podcast it made me think that you just crossed over into Planet of the Apes territory and I don't remember which would have been kind of a cool addition I don't remember if the in those it's been such a long time since I saw those movies, but do the chimpanzee apes have greater strength than the humans? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah and much faster reflexes. Remember the beginning of the second and one honestly with smarter. grabs yeah. just uh, I mean, they Oh sorry, I'm talking about the like the older versions of it. But yeah, the newer ones, absolutely. I think the newer ones seem much more well, realistic. <laughs> for science fiction but no, yeah you're right yeah. when when a chimpanzee goes from you know pretending mm -hmm. to be a simple ape which is also just a perfect tactic because they instantly mm -hmm. are like oh okay how much how much pay attention to grabs a gun and mm -hmm. in a flash you know that, that was an example there a chimpanzee is strong enough to hold an m4 or mm -hmm. an ak-47 with a single arm and shoot a group of people in a mm -hmm. spread Mm -hmm. and not have kickbacks. So yes, right there is a strength example. Um, I, I think that those, that trilogy, if we're just going to talk about briefly for a second, is a fantastic and very underrated P, uh, group of films. And also ones that got better. Mm -hmm. Where I think the second one is the best, but I actually think in quality it went two, three, one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is, mm -hmm. which is better than most trilogies. Mm -hmm. I also do want to say, looping back to a point that you made when we were still talking about uh, modifications of the, of the human genome, and especially when we're talking about aging, uh, two, two things. One, a sci-fi reference to the film Ultraviolet, in which they were a group of uh, modified humans who were much faster, much stronger, but only lived a fraction of as mm -hmm. long. Mm -hmm. And two... Uh, with regards to immortality, I was listening to another recent study on uh, Science Friday podcast. I hmm. do not remember the name at the moment. Uh, the idea is that our DNA, it's our ability to read it that is degrading with time. Hmm. And that mechanism potentially is what, if we were able to repair and sustain that we can keep our DNA reading correctly. And so that is what's causing, it's not that aging is something hard coded, it's, it, it's that right. the, the errors begin to compile. Mm -hmm. But they were also uh, trying to use this method, a, a form of cellular reversion with turning or with repairing this aspect of degradation that's happening but it's a very sort of spectrum problem because if you go too far, you turn a cell into a stem cell, hmm. which is reverting it back, which is essentially turning into cancer, hmm. which is not. And, and even in the studies that they've been doing with this, they're having Interesting. You know, cancer, cancerous cell incidents happening, which is, I think, believe, also a common thought in, or a common, uh, not trope, archetype in science fiction, hmm. the, the pursuit of immortality, even in Blade Runner yeah. when uh, – uh oh my gosh i'm just I, I just had a beer help me out here right now main uh <laughs> main let's say main replicate um roy yeah 
Roy Batty. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, when Roy is going and asking uh, Wayland, not Wayland. Terrell. Yeah, Wayland. I believe it's Wayland. Terrell, sorry. No, Terrell. I'm, oh, I'm blixing up Blade Runner and Alien there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's asking Same Terrell director. what he can do to, yeah, to, uh, to turn off the four-year, the limit to their mm-hmm. lives, and he's talking about all the consequences of what's going right. to happen every time they try to do something, and there's always a virus or mm-hmm. a tumor there's mm-hmm. there's no rectification and i think i think that's true too I, I don't know if any i don't know if any significant human change to physiology could really happen in a serum context mm. versus requiring many generations of slight evolutionary tweaking mm. you, know, you know if you have a gattaca scenario but you 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 phase in mutations over the course of much longer periods of time for stability. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that as, as an example, just an idea of, in addition to the natural eugenics in the sense of, you know, picking, trying to use combinations of genes, you're doing gene pairings, but you're still shooting in the dark and because mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know how the pairings are going to turn up. But if you have, you know, the children of engineered, who are the children of engineered, who are the children of engineered, in time, maybe you can build the super soldier. Maybe we, in, in that what Red Rising is, of that you now just have, or Khan in, in Star Trek, you know, yes. genetically engineered races mm-hmm. of humans that are capable of all the things, all the superhero things we've talked about. Mm-hmm. I still think we're going to have a super soldier serum. <laughs> Thanks for thanks for bringing it on home. I was going to say, I was going to say, I'm not super familiar with gene therapy and exactly how it works, but that is something that you don't wait a long time for. That you, you know, and that people are actively trying to figure out how do you how do you treat certain diseases with gene therapy, um, which would be a lot quicker because it has to happen within the lifespan of the person being treated. Um, so yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think it seems like all this stuff is possible. And I think going back to your first point, John, um, you know, the the tremendous leaps in biotech since the early 90s, um, that's been that's been crazy. That's been you know kind of going from just kind of understanding sort of what DNA is and thinking about you know being able to isolate it to now being able to go in and really, you know, slice it up and, and manipulate you know i remember in the late 90s the the human genome project that, that took like i don't know four or six we just had the 20th years. we just had the 20th anniversary for that sure within, so, within the but, past couple of weeks or so, months but it a couple, started, couple months. it started like in 95 or 96 and it went all the way until like 2000 2001 right now you could sequence you can sequence a person's uh genome in hours or maybe a couple of days and that's but we don't that's really know of... dna that much right we're, we're still pretty we're yeah. still pretty well novice. what do you what do you mean on the ability to um, like genetic manipulation through like dna like you know isn't isn't that what gattaca was and we're nowhere near that oh well when you're talking about application yeah, 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 exactly to a living human exactly well mm-hmm. I, I think that we're going to I think that our technological analysis far uh, and, and for good reason far outstrips our ethical application. Oh well, yeah, there, there's I that mean, whole thing too. Well, when we're looping back, just briefly talking when we're talking about the super soldier serum, if you were willing to sacrifice thousands of people and live tests of of serums and gene therapies you could probably develop things much sooner by method of trial and error. But then there's the question of the cost of, you know, the legitimate question of the ethical cost of lives. And no, like if the pursuit was murdering people, uh, after a while, you're not going to have people, you're only going to have so many people sign up for things that there's a very high probability of dying. Uh, can I, can I can um, make a suggestion? I wholeheartedly disagree with that, John. That term, term, Terminally ill people sign up for super soldiers. I don't. I don't understand why we wouldn't. Um, instead of making people slightly more comfortable who ha- were given a death sentence, 
why can't we give them the option to do really experimental things so that we can push science forward so the next generation might not have to deal with that same illness? Well, because a couple of reasons. One, people who are terminally ill provide a very poor baseline of how something's but, going but, to act. No, but I'm saying like, imagine person. if you use that to cure that illness through the serum, right? Super soldier serum so, so, effectively yeah, makes yeah, him... You're assuming, uh, that's the thing. you're also assuming then that a super soldier serum is a cure-all, which I think it is, 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 is Look at not a very... No, but that's illogical thinking. Just, uh, if we're going to boil it down to the real world, if we're going to talk about a super soldier serum and that it is also capable of curing any one of A through Z terminal illnesses that somebody has or genetic diseases, that's such a multi-targeted effort. I don't think that for a second. Maybe you even do get a super soldier. You still get one that's still dying of whatever cancer they were dying of. It, it's not. Or you wouldn't know until you tried. You're talking about. You're talking. You're. I, you're talking about is as I don't think super soldier at all. I think it's a type of immunological perfection. I think that we, we have. I think we have for. one baseline. His name is Stephen Rogers, and he lived for 105 years. Clearly, he's immune to all things. You dirty you rat bastard. <laughs> no, but, um, but, but let, 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 but let's talk about that for real for a second. Like, you know, is there to to your to your points about ethics is there do we have a skewed perception right because i you know i've had very sick family who have passed away unfortunately but i do feel like we spend an absorbent amount of money to keep people who are dead they just don't know it yet alive and instead of doing that can we not give them the opportunity for themselves to make the decision to give themselves to research early you know why isn't like there are some clinical trials of experimental drugs for some people of course why can't that be a more national effort and less and less gouging families on these crazy medical bills to watch someone slowly die why can't they instead of getting those bills flip it and be a, a you know a, a, a sample for science and is that a good story to write in fiction? Is that mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's kind of like the 22nd century, the giver in a sense. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think, Ben? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think there's a lot. I, I think there are a lot of ethical concerns when you're talking about, um, you know, yeah, I, I don't. I think scientifically, John's right that I think that the the baseline is skewed, and I don't think researchers want to start from there. But but you know, people are offered to sign up for clinical trials and stuff like that all the time. So I don't see you know obviously there's there's a framework for these sort of ethical decisions and and who gets to be a part of these things. So yeah, I mean, I would. Yeah, I think, you know, if people want to sign up for it, as long as it's their choice, um, it seems like that would make a lot of sense. And, you know, there shouldn't be a lot, many barriers behind that or uh, against that, you know? Well, I can think of one huge barrier, religion. Uh-huh. Oh, I mean, we're interesting. Well, no, the idea of suicide and of suicide being a sin commonly in several overlapping major world religions which shall remain nameless I'm and not saying you know, that the idea i'm not saying that sorry john but i'm not saying that people are 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 forced to do this or anything like that but the, it, i mean it's like you know there's euthanasia um uh, uh laws on the books in oregon and some other states and things like that and it's you know i understand why people don't do it <laughs> but the i think what math matt is trying to get to is just having the option out there it's not an option right now Exactly. Um, No, and I'm saying I I think it's not an option because of overwhelming religious pressure. So religious social pressure. Hmm. Oh, oh. So just people's motivations for what they're doing or not? Yeah. Yeah. I I I think I feel that if if you didn't have as much overarching and the nature of where suicide stand, what what suicide is deemed and how suicide stands in a lot of major world religions now. 
euthanasia overlaps into the idea of suicide and so therefore it is yeah. why why we don't was to say so that why we don't see it matt nearly as common as an option or as an availability is, is because of these religious these religious aspects and what yeah. i meant is the assisted suicide i guess euthanasia is a little bit different but um but you know now now that we're kind of talking about this and i'm actually focusing on it um you know, I think Matt, it is an option. I, it seems like, you know, some patients who are given not great odds are asked, Hey, you know, you could try to be a part of this cancer treatment trial or something like that. You know, we really don't know what it's going to be, but, um, you know, it could, it, it looks promising to, for your certain you know, illness and you know, you might want to try it. So I feel like that already kind of happens. So Maybe, so maybe that's more, that's the sign. Widely... That's the sci-fi. We follow a cancer patient as he mm -hmm. becomes a super soldier, and then goes and finds and hunts mm -hmm. down John mm -hmm. before he can build the next rocket. For being the, for being built a buzzkill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, on, on the on the topic of carbon life form, there was something we were talking about it briefly, Matt. Before actually, I don't know Ben if we were all before we were recording. But Xenobots. No, we, I which, don't. No, go for it. Okay. So Xenobots, which have emerged uh, recently in the news, are Is that with an organic, X or a Z? With an X. Uh, okay. Are created, are these multi-thousand cell organisms created from frog cells that are these simple organic machines hmm. that can live for about a week and do simple motions they can move they can use cilia on them mm -hmm. to move they exist only off of the metabolic energy that they contain they don't have a digestive system or, or a neural mm. system but it's it's this strange intersection of they were designed at a computer but mm. built out of something organic matter but they're not a pursuance of modifying the human genome or or modifying complete living creatures to, in the sense of gene splicing or you know it's mm -hmm. it's not jurassic park mm -hmm. uh, but it is still not frankenstein either it's you know that's the thing that's why it's called xenobots it's almost a strange merger sort of like alien biological and robotic at a mm -hmm. micro level all simultaneously mm -hmm. and which the possibilities seem Endless, because I'm just envisioning that they're then being able to like scale up and create these, not because what they're saying like this creature is the ability to be torn in half to pair itself. In the idea that we create something sounds that's like not, a replicator you know, that's living. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's an yeah. organic, like an organic replicant that's not that's almost that's completely decentralized, almost like a jellyfish, or or yeah. the same with the idea of like an amoeba. It doesn't have bone or muscle or a neural system. But you know, say that's now scaled up to the macro size of our world, and you make a mm -hmm. oh, Stranger Things season three, that mm -hmm. weird, you know, terrifying creature that was just made up of a bunch of basically like liquid flesh, and was able to create itself solid when it wanted to be. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean. I don't know. It, it seems it seems cute. There's a part of me though that wonders if this is this is A and Z is that scary monster movie. Yeah, that yeah. That I reminds me of a, a guy I went to college with who was wanted to get into genetics, and he was like, "Yeah, wouldn't it be cool to go to a coffee shop and have your coffee served by a by a living coffee bean?" Like he wanted to engineer like a coffee bean that would just kind of do what it wanted to do. I mean. It was college, so who knows? But uh, but still, like it just reminds me of that story. What do you um, think for that? Would you want about a living coffee bean? A giant serving coffee, bean? coffee? No, I wouldn't no, either. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Matt, you probably drink more coffee than both of us. If, so. if a living coffee <laughs> bean served me a cup of coffee, I'd throw the coffee on him and run the other way as fast as possible. <laughs> uh. <laughs> But that's interesting. And, you know, I think, John, it seems like not the coffee bean is interesting, but um, these Xenobot <laughs> things. Yeah. Are it's wild. Like, um, yeah, totally. And, you know, may, right now, 
you know, it's kind of like right now that they, they seem innocuous and they're only sort of in the lab and they're like an experiment and blah, blah, blah. But is this the, is it not, not just the first step of a journey for some sort of crazy shape-shifting monster at the end, but also for us to get more comfortable with that kind of stuff? Like, you know, oh, interesting. Oh, we're cool with engineering living things that have no decentralized, ner- or that have a decentralized nervous system and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden... Oh, we're cool with a little bit more complexity and just kind of like this slow, slow wow. um, acceptance of the moral aspect. Well, so that's a good question. So where's where do we lie ethically on a clone of a human? Mm. Oh, I'm I'm ready for them. I don't know why we're not doing them they're, yet. They're, they're, they have to be treated as a human. <laughs> that's my that's my thing. It's just, from day one, you got to be like, okay, whether you're as we said said in Kuiper, whether born or made. All ah, shall share, all shall share equal rights. Because if we don't, and we do some sort of bullshit hierarchy, we're just setting ourselves up for the revolution in the future. Sure, sure. But I think, I think any, any, you know, <laughs> not to, to to quote, um, you know, Jeff Goldblum, life finds a way. Ah. You know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, (laughs) I think that there is a real um, reality that with or without our assistance, it will happen just a matter of when. So why not be the ones that make it happen? Hmm. And the idea of natural of just accelerating what was otherwise natural evolution. How How would you why would you say it's not natural evolution? Who's to say that? Us creating evolution no, is no, not really, natural. Really, meaning, meaning on a na- meaning on a natural timeline. So what's to say that's not natural timeline? Uh, Moore's law dictates that uh, things double every uh, eighteen months in the same space. It's just a matter of what is the timeline we're unaware of because we're living in it in the moment. DNA works out mm. of four numbers, not two. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Uh, but no, you but see my point. Well, no, not as no. I you don't. do. Uh, so I win. win. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily know if we're going to alter things that would have naturally occurred, or if we're taking our own evolution in a very different direction. Certainly, we're introducing our bodies to tons of substances that are wildly different than they ever would have naturally encountered. I mean, from everything from the plastic that we all ingest now on microscopic levels to heavy elements that wouldn't have been present. Have you watched Seaspiracy yet? Have I watched what? Seaspiracy? Seaspiracy? No. No, that doesn't sound tremendously credible. No, Seaspiracy is a new documentary on Netflix, which is apparently back. Just wait, wait, so that, it... wait, we're going to tangent very quickly on the topic of bats. Uh, they just discovered a new bat in Africa that is orange. Ooh. And it has these. Really? Yeah, it has these cool, it's mostly orange, and then it has black along where its fingers are on its wings. So it's, it's orange hmm. and it has these black so it's a tiger bat. striped wings. It's a tiger, tiger bat. bat. Tiger bat. Oh, tiger bat. Tiger bat. bat's pretty sick yeah. name. I like that. I'm, I'm all in on a tiger yeah. bat. That's for sure. And no one, they were just, they had a, some sort of trap set up to find a different type of bat. And then this bat flew into it and they said, oh, wow, completely a new species of bat that no one's ever seen. That's cool. Which, which makes it, yeah, because it's, it's, you know, they so occasionally discover the new smallest gecko Earth? or the new smallest mouse. Mm-hmm. But you don't usually find a decent sized mammal that's new Are anymore. you telling me that there's kaiju uh, mm-hmm. in the middle of the ocean now? Uh, mm-hmm. You know what? I watched that. It was so rough. I don't know why. I mean, there's nothing. Wait. There's no science to it, so why do I care? Which one? But... Pacific Rim one or two? Wait, what are you talking about? Pacific oh Rim. no, that's right. I'm talking about. Oh uh, no, I'm talking about Godzilla vs Kong. Oh, it was really bad. Oh. It was re- yeah. I watched. It, I watched it last night. Yeah. Actually, it was. It was. It was really hard to watch. <laughs> so I really like King of the Monsters, and this one was just hot garbage. It. it, it... Ben, you haven't watched it yet. Oh yeah, no. Godzilla, yeah, no, I watch it. Oh, okay. I was gonna say save your soul before you watch it. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. sorry, it's sold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
for me, I gotta do something once everybody goes to sleep around here. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just don't. I, everything would have held up semi okay until Godzilla somehow breathed a hole to the center of Earth that took <laughs> that took half of the movie oh, to find. Man. I'm so confused. It took <laughs> it took half the movie to find the Hollow Earth. And then Godzilla is just able to blast a hole to it. Why didn't we just dig for it then? Instead of why, instead Whoa. of moving Kong from a safe area into open water in which he could get attacked by Godzilla, why didn't we just use our own drill to go there if Godzilla was able to do that? <laughs> it like made the first 60 minutes of the movie completely irrelevant to me. Well, remember when they were flying Kong on all those helicopters? Why didn't you just helicopter him instead of using the aircraft carriers? You've got enough troops to be able to pull that off. Oh, and on top of that, too. Okay, let's say that God's... So was Godzilla had really bad sleep inertia? Because, man, the, the frequency that he's able to use his gamma breath in this third one, just basically continuous pulse. Yes, for your point... One, where he's just boring a hold of the core. And two, when he's just moving in a full 360 and Kong's going over and under skyscrapers trying to dodge. My thought is, why didn't, why didn't Godzilla just lay waste to the two mutos in the first 30 seconds of Godzilla with that? Remember he uses it finally at the end after being almost dead? It's like, oh, it, it takes a while. It's like, do, 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 do. Almost like the apple build up, like, do, do, do. And then it breathes. And then just opens the Mito's mouth and breathes in its mouth. And I was like, wow, that's really sweet. Like, that's like your final kill move, and it took you a really long time to charge that one up. But that's I cool. also but don't... <laughs> so I, I have three other points. Why did he run out of... Why did he run out of fire? I didn't understand that. What what happened that he ran out of fire? Yeah. Against... against why did he have an in infinite that... amount of... Because he had because he had it basically infinite amount and he had to run out at some point because it was so overpowered. Yeah. Right. So, so he ran out of what? what are you talking yeah, about? Right, he ran out at the most inopportune moment. That's one. Two, if you yeah. if you blew a hole into the center of the planet that close to the ocean, <laughs> you would have created a massive earthquake and the entire city of Hong Kong would have gone down the hole. It all would have just oh, collapsed. It would, have been, it would have been double. As well as just the fact that, like, oh, so you breached the core. So now a volcano is clearly coming back up that shaft that you just bored. Not to mention, didn't Kong fall down? I mean, I guess at this point, he, he went through a portal to Hollow Earth. So I'm splitting hairs here. But I was 99% that Godzilla bored that hole down, and then Kong jumped down into that hole. And, like, and then oh. he jumps up into the up. Yeah. And then he jumps up to go down. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you are correct. Yeah. So like yeah. they skip they skip the whole part where he had to climb for years in the last several yeah. miles of the crust because the gravity flipped at some point. But and yeah. and then wait wait wait. I was, wait, I was like wow the laws of physics are loose. Yeah. I thought they wait, I thought all... the laws of physics were loose in Aquaman, and they were looser than that. <laughs> and wait, wait, we're, we're forgetting the uh. best. We're forgetting the best part of this. So let's just make sure we're all on the same page about the plot. A company turned on the brain of a titan that alerted Godzilla that there was another alpha. But instead of Godzilla, Godzilla had enough smarts to sense that there was another alpha, but couldn't sense that Kong wasn't the alpha in which he was sensing. That, like, doesn't make any sense. They were both on Earth for an infinite amount of time up until that moment, and then Godzilla has enough smarts to be like, oh, there's another alpha here? But he's like, it has to be Kong, even though I've sensed Kong for decades. Decades I've sensed him for. And this new mm -hmm. thing I'm sensing has to also now be Kong. So I'm going to go kill Kong instead of hunt this other thing that <laughs> well, is clearly what I am sensing right now. Right, right. What? And and, right. And, <laughs> and on top of that, let's, let's get into it even more. And we'll perfectly full circle this back to the economics of, of the sci-fi that we've Ooh. talked about. How about that containment facility on Skull Island? The giant dome, like it's the Hunger Games on crack. 
with with the entire hollow thing on the inside. That looks like it was miles across. That looks like it's the single largest sure. engineering project that humans have ever undertaken on an island that's also full of equally giant man-eating kaiju. So, mm. how, and also, how did you knock out Kong long enough that he didn't notice? How did he not notice for that entire time? I just... Can I, can I also, wait, wait, can I, can I, can I, can I double down on that? So, double, yeah, bring it triple home. down, bring it home. Even though they didn't mention it in this movie, Pacific Rim and the, um, the, uh, what are they called? The, not Kraken, the, um, John, help me here. What are the, uh, the, the things oh, that the, the, the in, in Godzilla? No, 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 no. In, in, uh, no, Pacific in Rim. Pacific Rim. Uh, the kaiju and the Jaegers. The, the, the what? The Jaegers. That's the robots. Thank you. The Jaegers. Yeah. yeah. So the Jaegers yeah. and the kaiju live in this same universe. It's going to be established in the next movie. So if the Jaegers uh... live in this universe and we've already connected a brain to a Jaeger, why the hell did you mm. not have the right technology to connect a brain to this Titan? How, like the fact that his brain basically it killed him when they added the source made no sense. Like, what are you telling me mm-hmm. that you just didn't know what was like? That was such that was the weakest writing I've ever seen in my entire life. Just turn it on. I, I've made a trillion dollars as the CEO of this company creating futuristic technology, and I have no. Um, care to the scientific method and just do it and we'll figure it out later. That's how I made a trillion dollars. <laughs> what? Are you saying, I mean, yes, I agree with you in absolutely overall. Are, is there any particular aspect? Because for me, it was so I interpreted that as that Ghidorah was still alive in, in that was still, that was the remnant of Ghidorah's consciousness now, all of a sudden, reaching out and realizing it had a body, reconnected to Mechagodzilla, and da-da. The fact that a human thought that it could interface with a Titan brain. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, or, or maybe it would have made more sense, Matt, is the same way if you took the idea from Pacific Rim where you required multiple human beings to be able to interface with a Titan right, brain. But like, in what world did you even think it was okay mm-hmm. What to try think it was to try <laughs> to try in Hong Kong to try near populated people that they have titans in cages underground that like the skull crushers that they're that they're using for sport but that's just all oh no wait a second oh my gosh I almost forgot how about the vacuum tube network that goes through the planet? When they went from, didn't they go from the United States to Hong Kong on a vacuum tube on, on a maglev that was under like the ocean? Hyper, yeah. Yeah, like a hyperloop. Yeah. yeah. And there's a planetary wide hyperloop that's a secret. That's what I'm saying. Like, these are larger infrastructure projects that any single nation has ever executed. You know, World War II wartime level, building, entire, you know, building skyscrapers, building bigger than building dams. And we hit and model totally. all the resources to hide all of this? No way. Just there's absolutely no way. And, and just, I mean, and if we were, if we want to get more I science mean, with it, Ghidorah had three heads, right? Yeah. Right. Were they isolated from each other? Was it one consciousness? Was it three? Oh, there's so many questions I have, right? Because right. they said they so I interpret that as a type of hive mind. Well, maybe, but mm. but what about uh, Hagrid's dog in Harry Potter? Three heads, kind of three personalities at one. That's kind of how I always looked at it. Or or, or like that mm. we're thinking, of, or we're limited by the concept of how we perceive humans and higher life forms to think in a singular sense. Maybe maybe there's a somewhere between. The hive mind and the singular conscious single neural net that can exist simultaneously, both simultaneously separate but together. More just more like three independent beings that are existing symbiotically in one in one body. And maybe that's to be able to accomplish. In this case, it has three heads, 
or maybe it's just to accomplish much more complex mental tasks, almost like the idea of someone who's mm-hmm. schizophrenic or multiple personality disorder. Mm-hmm. You know, you almost, you almost need what we conceive of as mental disorders are actually more complicated mental systems that are meant to drive more complex beings. And that within the scope of a human, you're crazy, but if you were power, maybe that was the idea. Maybe if you had taken someone who is a schizophrenic or someone who is a very atypical brain pattern and had them power the Ghidorah skull, or, you know, or someone severely autistic on the spectrum, some, something that takes you so far out of the realm of, of normal brain pattern, because it takes something very far away from an existing human to work or takes something or takes a brain that works in a very different way. I don't, I, I'm just thinking, I'm not even disagreeing with that, but it's also like, well, well, you just, as you were saying that, it made me think of this. I forget how Godzilla, King of the Monsters, ended. How did Ghidorah's skull even get to this facility? The, in the after credit, in the after credit, there's one skull left. And, and there's Charles Dance, a.k.a. Tywin Lannister. And he walks into this looks like a Hong Kong warehouse mm. or a Quonset hut, and they've got the giant Ghidorah skull and says, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I, didn't, I, I definitely didn't see that. I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab here. I'll, I'll hybridize how we, we've been talking about with Kaiju and what we've been talking about with genetic manipulation. Yeah. Can we build a dragon? I'm not asking for crazy size. I'm not asking for Kaiju. But could we genetically engineer something? Like we had, you know, like the dragons that we see in Game of Thrones. Were there dragons? Why not? I just don't know if there's a record of them. Isn't a a dragon effectively a T-Rex mixed with a uh, Pterosopolis, right? Effectively. With a pterodactyl? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, pterodactyl. Or or a pterodactyl and a T-Rex. Neither were correct. Um... No, I'm not yeah, I mean, I mean I, paragons were, I, were quite genetically diversified from dinosaurs significantly, and, and way back to the Triassic, if not before. So, I mean, they weren't—you'd be mixing a couple entire, not even just multiple species of dinosaur. It would be across multiple animal groups, in, almost in the idea of like mixing. I wouldn't birds. worry about that. Well, that's fair. I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> I don't. I I wouldn't worry about the that. That's that's nice that you think in that deeply about it. Um, but <laughs> honestly, I think um, I think that it would be possible to. I think it would be possible to do the Jurassic Park thing. I don't think that that is too far out of the realm. I mean, I don't think we have the capability for it now. I don't. Maybe we don't have enough DNA from then or whatever. But I think that there's. A possibility that something like that could happen um, that seems pretty plausible um, and then sort of ma- manipulating genes of organisms to get something maybe it's not going to be a fire-breathing enchanted beast but something that's got wings and scales and long teeth and stuff like that that seems that seems reasonable there are ligers for god's sakes out there and that's a naturally occurring thing so it seems yeah you know, seems like Camara or something like that would be totally plausible. They do that in Red Rising, and then that's that's probably a thousand plus years in the future. But they have uh, carvers, is what they call them. But they're genetic, essentially genetic artists who make mm. who rely work in genetic manipulation both of, of humans and of other creatures. And yeah, they have griffins and dragons. And all of mm-hmm. you know, kind of like the classical mythological creatures have been mermaids have been created, just kind mm-hmm. of as a mm-hmm. sort of baroque pleasure of this one percent. But <laughs> it's it's interesting. I mean, yeah. I don't get me wrong. I'd love I'd love I'd um, love someone to bring dinosaurs. I, would you though? Uh, yes. I mean, yes. You know why? Because I want. I love. A couple of years ago, I saw these this group of sketches, and it's this Western dinosaur motif of essentially the, the like the mid eighteen mm. late eighteen hundreds Wild West, <laughs> but instead of horses, there's all these different humans, and there's, there's these different wagon trains, and they're on 
dinosaurs. And one I of just... my one of my favorite comic book, yeah, one of my favorite comic book series of all time. Which I it just seems like a no brainer that this should be a movie series. And if anybody makes it, I want to cut. <laughs> um, but Cadillacs and dinosaurs from geez, I think it was late eighties or something like that. It was a cartoon for a little while in the early nineties, but. But basically, it was like in the future after ecological disaster, um, dinosaurs roam the earth again with humans who are not who are somewhat primitive. Um, but this one guy is kind of an adventurer, and he has a whole collection of '50s Cadillacs that float and run off from dinosaur poop, and that's how that that's how he gets around. He has all these adventures, but it's it, it, it's totally it's crazy, but really good. Star Wars. Yeah, kind of. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, but you should check it out. The artwork is so great. Um, I was just uh, well, Matt, Matt. Speaking of artwork, Matt had just sent me recently the article that Heavy Metal is doing about Frank Frazetta, and just oh, cool. Going back. Yeah, here. Looking... I don't know if you saw this, Ben. But we, uh, uh, Frank Frazetta's self-portrait, the yeah. next cover. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that, uh, I saw that posted on social media and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks great. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, I knew, I was familiar with him primarily through the artwork that he had done for the reprints of Edgar Rice Burroughs' A Princess of Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, I didn't realize one how prolific he was, and two how much of a prodigy he was as well. That uh, he was growing up with an immigrant yeah. Italian family at eight years old. Uh, he was doing these incredible sketches, and just that that, that self portrait is apparently he could just bang those out in a matter of minutes. And, and mm-hmm. some of like the most fully fleshed out art that we've seen, it only took him a matter of days. And I'm just like, oh snap my paintbrushes mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and even even more so hey and, and he, he was part of you know i've gone off uh, about ec comics a million times mm. um you know about all the all those guys and he was part of the stable yet he got his start with ec and doing um you know horror comics and some of their social comics and stuff like that it's pretty awesome and, and i was gonna say you know you can read the interview in the issue of 305 but uh to me mm-hmm. what was one of the coolest things about frank that he was actually drafted by the Cleveland Indians. He's an amazing baseball player who gave up a yeah, professional yeah, yeah. career in profe- in baseball to pursue being an artist. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I mean, I mean, John would need some um, super soldier serum to be able to play professional baseball. Well, I was going to um, say is, I was when I was reading this article about, <laughs> I was reading an article about Frankfurt that they were mentioning that. He had modeled some of his earlier male figures off of himself. And I was like, hmm, instantly going to Google search a young Frank Frazetta. And it did not disappoint. <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of Frank Frazetta, and did he did he ever do original stuff for heavy metal back in the day? That's a great question. I mean, we published a lot of his stuff. So the Death Dealer stuff we published. Sure. Um you know the wizard, uh, the wizard and the coffin. We published. Mm-hmm. I'm unsure if any of the art was originally for heavy metal versus just things that he drew that we published of his. It's a good question. I'll mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. I have a, a you know shout out to Josh Sky, who's on our editorial team, who's like a heavy metal historian. Mm-hmm. So I will, uh, I will inquire mm-hmm. and let you know by next, uh, by the next uh, recording. That's a good question. I actually don't have. I'm. Awesome. I'm very curious now. I mean, it was definitely later <laughs> yeah. in his career. You know, by the time heavy metal arrived. So I don't know. He was sure. Well, yeah, but I mean, also at the height, like he, like that was the height of his sword and sorcery time. Like, man, this. I have to say, like the '70s, all those reprints that you were talking about of the Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff. That's like early '70s, mid and late. I mean, seems like right on par with where heavy metal was. I mean, he he only died a few years ago, and he was he was doing stuff all the way to the end. I mean, he started doing stuff in the forties. I mean, right? I mean, he was still working yeah, all the way yeah. through. I mean, long career, right? That's, that's only really about the middle of his career then. So, yeah, mm-hmm. right, exactly. 
But didn't he? I mean, he did a bunch of posters for the that late seventies, early eighties sword and sorcery kind of stuff. Um, I mean, honestly, I mean, uh, to your point, every movie, every. I mean, he did the original Kong posters in the seventies. Tarzan. He, mm. uh, you know, Tarzan. You know, Conan. Mm-hmm. Um, if it mm-hmm, was sword mm-hmm. and sorcery, it was Frank. You know, that was the thing. Like, like if you had mm-hmm. a budget and you were doing a real legit movie there was no one else that you'd get your art from than Frank. You, it was almost right. like you weren't a legit production. If your movie poster wasn't right. painted by Frank, <laughs> but it was also, he was very cool. not, rec- not like, like a Kubrickian level of reclusion, but was not somebody to go mm-hmm. to the comic con and sit on a, he panel. didn't care for the spotlight. No, he didn't care for the spotlight. He didn't care for the spotlight. Crushed it, cared nothing for the thing. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is fantastic. Yeah. People came to him. Which is something. It's another artist. He, he knew his worth, and he was unwavering mm-hmm. from that. Yeah, in, right, in, right. In terms of another uh, yeah. artist who's a fantastic contributor to science fiction, Robert McCall, who I um, mm-hmm. saw his art first as these several large murals, as a large giant murals that are in the museum there in space in DC. And I saw them several years ago, and I had not remembered who had done them, but I certainly had remembered them. And they have this very extraordinary humanist manifest destiny sort of vibe about humans' achievements. And they were painted, a lot of it was during the seven, the 70s. And Robert McCall did a lot of the concept artwork for 2000. He did the, art, um, the, the poster artwork for 2001 Space Odyssey for the original Star Trek a lot of the very inspirational sort of classic science mm-hmm. fiction idea of humanity and all those pictures of sure. ships in space. Just that was him in the seventies. And yeah, some of his posts just sort of re- recently having a friend in a group chat, post a picture and then me seeing it and saying, I don't know who that is, but that's the same person who did those, po- those murals that I saw. And then he said, Oh, this is Robert McCall and reconnecting with all of it. And, Oh, it made me cry looking at some of, of his art because there's mm-hmm. just such a, I don't know if it's a product of the time as well, but just an unabashed level of optimism that comes with mm-hmm. it that, I don't know, just I feel like our world is more cynical than that time. And, uh, you know, but yeah, it, I think that's probably right. It all, yeah, it carries it. it it has that certain level of idealistic inspiration that I think we had from the Apollo time and just re- really feel it. And it's like, Oh, just, we need it again. I just, I want to just, I want to feed off of the energy that that artwork is showing and, and just have it be something to aspire to. Speaking of air and space, uh, that top job is open. Smithsonian's Wait. looking for a new leader of the air and space ben. museum. Oh, Wow. Are you going? You signed up? We put we gonna we gonna put you up for it? Do we get to go we can do we get to go to free shows at the Lockheed Martin IMAX theater? Sure, <laughs> as long as Lockheed Martin still is a major That's contributor. That is the answer of a future director of the Air and Space Museum right there. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. We, that's right. So yeah, maybe maybe SpaceX will take it over. You know, more money, less uh, less government regulations. Yeah, do yeah, we'll do we have time for one more? <laughs> that that's your pitch. You bring in the money. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly. That's a I got I got SpaceX over here. <laughs> this guy, guy, yeah, right. Guy. Exactly. Who's who's gonna fight first? Let them, let them fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. So actually, Matt, I'm gonna loop back for a second. You um, you threw me off guard there when I, you told me that I didn't realize that the the HLS the the Lunar Lander Award was today. Yeah. So I'm a little bit gutted personally because I worked on a proposal for the Lunar Lander, and there's a uh... large group of people who worked with me, and so there were certain plans that about 30 minutes ago died sure. based on the words that I heard come out of your mouth. So thank Good. Good. I am the bearer of death. You, ah. you know what, you know what this means, what? John, We're... John, John, you have to move to 
You have to move to LA and work for, work for I, SpaceX on the land. No, I'm going to say it's going to be designed right down the street. For deep space. I got to do the deep space, baby. Maybe, <laughs> I mean, it's a, uh, <laughs> that's true. Moon is too, moon the moon is, is the too moon small is too for close. you now. You're it's deep too space. near target. Uh, so no lander, huh? Well, you know, it's, it's technically not world. deep space. It's in orbit. Well, you know true, what? True. In SpaceX's hands, yeah. I hope. They... John, you would have been kicked off of it. No, John, NASA heard that you got a promotion to deep space, and therefore you would no longer be working on a moon lander, and they gave the job to, right. to, oh. to, to SpaceX. The, there's, <laughs> there's friends of mine who are not going to be as busy as they thought 24 hours ago. And 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 for what it's worth, there's definitely some NASA directors who are no longer getting free steak dinners. Right. People who are facing the fact that they're not going to sleep for the next five years. Because you because you know, Daddy Elon's just like to the moon, to Mars. We go hither, <laughs> crack that whip. Yeah. <laughs> and they just just chews them up at yeah. 80 hours a week and spits them out like carcasses and calls them the next willing test subject. I don't know if I can do it, boys. I thought, of, I thought about it. But I just like, I don't. Well, first of all, one, I think it's arrogant of me to assume that SpaceX would even take me. So, I mean, they've got, they've got very talented nice. people throwing themselves at that company all the time. So, I mean, I have a question, John. Question, just real quick for you, just real quick. How many helicopters are on celestial bodies, not Earth? Let's answer the question. Let's answer the question. One, one, one for our listeners, right? One. Uh, how many testing modules were created for said helicopter? By, by me, one. Okay, how many in total? Oh, I don't know. Entire buildings, fleets. So maybe like you know, to ask, how many different pieces of test equipment were used to make to help with the helicopter? No, no, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to make a point that how many people uh, have the skill set that you have at this point? It's a very small amount of number it's, it's that is not exactly it's, yeah. It's, it's a wee bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was saying you're you're then I got to yeah. enjoy. The, I spent three hours this morning in a high bay as where they were. Uh, taking you're disassembling a portion of the solar array off of lucy it's come it's uh it's fully yeah it's fully built oh, up cool. and it's in our high bay now and i it's a type of emi testing that's happening next so they take the solar panels off for that but uh it's cool it's all done up in foil okay now okay. too so it, it looks ready to fly yeah and it's it's weird because it's so close i can touch it i'm not going to because i'm not my pets uh yeah, sure. But to know, and I think it's, I, I got a little bit poetic earlier with Matt on a text message. But I was saying to, to know that it's someday mm -hmm. going to be so far away, silently intercepting this mm -hmm. city-sized asteroid. And right now it's just in this mm -hmm. bright, loud room where there's 20 people talking and there's a bunch of people pulling on cables there's people screwing things in it's just it's, it's the antithesis of where it's going to be it's right there and it's just it's strange to mm -hmm. just think that it's, it's yeah. it, it is it is you know uh, to, to 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 wrap up on this note it is a strange time right where we this is like the only time where we know what might be possible but we just don't have enough technology to really know right like before mm -hmm. we didn't know, you know, it was like in the Matrix. Tastes mm -hmm. like chicken. Oh, it is unaware, chicken. But now we know it's not chicken. Awareness. You know? versus, yeah, aware versus Our capability. Awareness, yeah. yeah. That's, We're mm -hmm. the most aware with the least capability. Right looking right. looking through right. the keyhole. Right. As a sorcerer supreme once told. Looking mm -hmm. through the Dr. keyhole. Strange. But that's what that's what's always gonna happen. That is progress. That's progress. In some ways, sure, keeps, but uh, the view just keeps changing in that keyhole. We keep overcoming. We've come, we've gotten through a lot of stuff to get to the point that we're at. I don't know. I I feel like we're pretty capable right now. I agree. I I just I just want to be able to, you know, meet an oh, alien, boy. which we see the pyramids. The Gaul oh, are here. Do we have, 
Do, sure, we, have sure. to, do we have to wrap <laughs> sure. up or do we have time for one more topic? What's the yeah, topic? Yeah, I, I, we'll we'll yeah. save it for next week. Yeah. Or next, we'll say, we'll Tease the topic for next, for next week. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, is what is it? Tease Wandering it. stars. Ooh. Nice. I love it. Yeah, nice. that is. Let's talk. And I'll try stars. to get that physicist. Oh, perfect. Yes, excellent. Yes, and and I'm and yeah. and I'm hoping to get there's this design firm Ben that I've been talking to that builds futuristic models of cities that I think would be really cool oh, to bring on. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I've been talking to them. That so yeah, great. guys, thanks so much for listening to us ramble through uh, a myriad of topics <laughs> today. We uh, tend to do a bunch of smorgasbording, which is a lot of fun. I wonder, Mike, <laughs> Mike, what do you think? Did you like it today? Today was a good one. It was like, I felt like I was at like a science bar or something like that. Ooh, nice. I like that. This is the, That's this is the smorgasbord to bar. Oh, Let's do that. Yes. <laughs>